Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This is the story of a series of disappearances and murders that happened in the winter of 2000, previously on series one of A New Winter. Nicola woke up. The skin was burning off. The masks were screaming, hysterical. There was shouting, whooping, the fire flickering, popping. And I watched. I watched them die. I watched and I didn't do anything. I just stood there, the flesh melting, the screams stopping. The boy, Nicola, all the same. We praised him. We thanked him. I'd come back. I was home. This is episode 27 of A New Winter and the beginning of series 2. I awoke back in my own bed, back in my home. What had happened? It was the morning, but it was deathly quiet. They didn't even sound like there was any wind. I looked outside of my window. The snow. The snow had got worse during the night and absorbed the sound back up, enveloped the wind with its thick, cold embrace. I walked around the house. Mum? I shouted. And I remembered what Jackie said. That she wasn't real. That she died. I didn't want it to be true. It couldn't be true. Had this meant I was mad all along? Had everything up to this point just been in my mind? I wasn't sure which I feared more, hearing her voice or not hearing anything at all. And then, hello? And I heard her from downstairs. I ran down and into the kitchen to see her drying glasses with a towel. Breakfast is nearly ready, she said, as if nothing had happened, and turned back to the sink like it was the most natural thing in the world. Mum, where have you been? I asked and hugged her. I was stupid for believing Jackie, for believing the lies that she'd clearly been feeding me, feeding everyone, it seemed. My word, she said. What else got into you? Careful, I dropped the bloody glass. I've I've missed you. Where, Where were you? What do you mean? I've been here. Why, what's the matter? Oh, nothing, I said. (sighs) Nothing now. 
and I couldn't be happier. Here she was in the flesh. I even gripped her arm and squeezed to make sure she was flesh and blood. Ow, she said and slapped my arm. Jesus, what the bloody hell do you do that for? That hurt. Sorry, I said. And with a big smile on my face, I sat down and just watched her. She served me a proper fry-up, and it had to be the tastiest thing I'd had in ages. I realised I must not have had a proper meal since all this started, and the rush of flavour just felt so good, I just couldn't get enough. As I finished, I noticed something on the side of the table. What's that? I asked. And I could see a little pot. A little medicine pot of pills. One of those brownie-orangey ones. What's what? she asked, not looking around. That, those, I said, and pointed to them. Eh? They're my pills, what do you think they are? For what? I asked. To keep me bloody sane with all these questions, she said. And I could see her shaking her head, probably rolling her eyes as well, I imagined. Just then, a loud angry knock came from the door. Ugh, what the bloody hell is it now, Mum said, and answered it to see Dubridge, deathly pale, looking around inside before settling his eyes on me. Ah, great, he's here. Could I... And he went to step in, but Mum threw her arm across the doorframe to stop him. What is it? she asked. Dubridge stared at her, with anger at first. And then for a second, a sense of... recognition? Fell across his face, and his anger subsided just as quickly as it had fled. Please, I, I just need a minute. Well, you can tell him through here. You don't need to come in, she said. Mum, I... And I went to meet Fien, just to say it was okay. Shh, you, she said to me, and turned back to Dubridge. I don't think you should come back here again, she said. I think you'd be best leaving us alone. But Dubridge looked at me, then back at her. His lips curled. Fine, he said, and left. Now then, Mum turned back round. What do you want to do today? She never asked me anything like that before. Why was she being so nice? Uh, well, I was thinking of just having a walk, I said. I feel like I need to clear my head. Ugh, it's bloody horrible out there. Why would you want to go outside? I could run you a bath. My head started to hurt again. I tell you what, let's stay in and watch a film. Father will be home soon. He's just popped out to get some milk. My, my dad... My brain was hurting like mad, thumping. What the hell was happening? My, my father had died, hadn't he? Father, I said, but he's dead. Mum gasped. Oh, what on earth would make you say such a thing, you bloody sod? And she stormed out of the room. And from the other room I heard her. You could be a right ungrateful bastard sometimes, you know that. And I sat in the kitchen, slightly bemused by what was happening... I tried to remember my father, but I couldn't. I couldn't remember a face, anything. And I closed my eyes and tried even harder, my head thumping. It wasn't working. I got up and walked around the house a bit more. It did look slightly different, but I couldn't put my finger on how. Then from the back window, I could see something outside. A strange, dark figure from the corner of the window, staring right at me. A chill went down my spine. 
it was a single eye staring at me. Just then the eye rose up and I could see it was Dubridge. He put a finger against his lips, signalling me to be quiet and called me over. As I walked up, he got out a little notebook and wrote something down. Where's Nicola? it said. I shook my head. Had she really died? Had I really seen her burnt alive at the stake? When was that? What happened? Duper shook his head, frustrated, and wrote some more. Did you kill someone at the lime? it said. The lime. I remembered. Nicola slitting the madam's throat. She was looking at me. The madam had kept a secret for me. She died because of it. A secret that Nicola found out anyway. But I didn't kill her. It was Nicola. But maybe I could. Maybe I could have saved her. Maybe by not saving her, I had killed her. Was it even real? Everything had become quite hazy, as if it was a long time ago. I shook my head as if to say no, and Dubish started to write something, and then quickly ducked out of view. Darling, I heard. I turned around to see Mum, looking at me quizzically. What are you doing? I'm just, just looking outside, I said, which wasn't a lie as such. Please don't stand there all day. Your father... And then I heard the front door open. It's here, my mum proudly announced, excited due to her incredible timing, and twirled around to the door as if greeting a king. I was sweating. I could feel it. Who would be this man coming through the door? Is this the first time I'd meet my father? Had he been here the whole time? Had I truly gone mad? Or was I mad before, and now I was truly sane? Then as the door opened, I couldn't believe it. I did recognise the man. I had definitely seen him before, recently. Got milk, he said, holding up a bottle of milk and laughed. And then I realised who he was. Huh. Father Ian Reynolds, I said, quietly to myself. Yes, he said, can I help you? And laughed manically, my mum joining in. They both just stood there, laughing, like jackals. So loud and so fiercely that it hurt my ears. Were they laughing at me? Why were they laughing at me? Did you, uh, take your pills? Father asked Mum. Ah, yes, don't worry, don't worry, she answered, smiling, and rubbed his arm gently. I turned and looked back out the window and left under a small rock on the windowsill was a note. Hmm. I just need to, um... I just need to get some air, I said. I feel a bit sick. Oh, no, said Mum, and rushed over. No, no, I said almost instinctively. No, please, uh, you, you might get sick too. Look, I, I just need to... I just need to go for a walk. Maybe in the garden, just for, just for a little while. Okay, love, go on then. Put your shoes on, though. And so I put my shoes on and I walked around to the window. I picked up the little rock and the note under it. I slowly unfolded it. The cold making my fingers seize up and my nose starting to dribble already. It was from Dubridge's notebook and all it said was, They are not your parents.
Get out. Now. I looked into the window and saw my parents muttering to one another. They looked deep in conversation, their faces very serious. Then they turned and looked at me. My mum suddenly realised what I was thinking and she screamed. That high-pitched scream that I remembered before from those dark corridors under my childhood home, the one I forgot. The shriek scream pierced my skull, even with the protection of the window. It was still loud and painful enough to send me into a state of panic. And I ran. I ran and ran and ran through the icy snow, its weight dragging me down. And I tried to jump the fence at the back of my garden. I was weak still, but the fear did give me strength, and I didn't dare look back. I was able to get over, and as I fell onto the other side... I glimpsed the both of them running up the garden towards me. I was already exhausted. It wasn't possible to spin through the snow like this. Just lifting my legs enough felt slow and tiresome. But I had to keep going. I had to know what was going on. I had to understand about this town. I was able to make it to Glenwood Close, a small cul-de-sac full of bungalows. I looked back at the fence and took a breath. Oh, thank God. Nothing. Then I saw a hand reach over the top. I started running again, but where could I go? I knew I couldn't outrun them. They might be older, but I was clearly pushing myself too far here. I had to hide somewhere, anywhere. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I looked around. I wouldn't be able to run into the homes, and a shed would be just too obvious. I went into one of the gardens and snuck in. Oh, where can I go now? There was a shed, a greenhouse, and then some decking, with a small hole. What to do? I mean, the the main issue here was how was I going to hide my tracks in the snow, no matter where I hid. Then I remembered that film, The Shining, and how he was able to mislead his tracks and cover them up. So I ran to the shed 
and then quickly backtracked through my own steps and then sideways to the hole in the decking. I was just able to climb through and I smothered a whole bunch of snow in my tracks leading there and built up a little pile in the hole. Not to make it too obvious, but enough so it doesn't look as big as it actually is. So I hid underneath the decking and I looked back at my work and it was messy, but I was confident it would do. It would have to. Then I saw, in the middle of the snow, my keys. My fucking keys were just sitting out there with a stupid keyring I got from a Happy Meal years before. I went to go back out, but then I saw Mum, slowly making her way through the garden now, following my tracks. It sent a chill up and down my spine. She followed them to the shed and threw open the door like an animal. She rifled through whatever was in there and threw her head back. That high-pitched, animalistic scream pierced my skull again. Was I the only one who could hear this? Why was no one running out to see what the noise was? Or even to call the police? Someone? Anyone? She looked back across the garden. I know you're here, darling, she said. Come to mummy. Everything will be okay. We just want to make sure you're safe. We love you. I felt sick. My mind was going fuzzy again. I could see her walking around, almost sniffing the air, searching for me. Just don't see the keys, I thought. Please, don't see the keys. But then, I could see her feet standing right in front of them. That's it, I thought. I'm done for. But she just stood there, in front of them, paused. What was she doing? Then I saw her fly to the ground, her face staring straight at mine. I drew back in shock, and her hands trying to reach through the wooden boards to grasp at me. She was beginning to shriek again, and it was deafening this time. Just then her hands disappeared, and I looked back out to see her wrestling with a man. He was seemingly choking her out. She struggled, and then slowly she fell, and I saw the man look towards me. Come on, lad, you can come out now, he said. And once again, I was saved by Dewbridge. I crawled out in the snow, but I couldn't lift myself to my feet. Dewbridge helped me up. Jesus, he said. Look at you. You're worse than I thought. And then, it went dark. I woke up, and I was in the back of a car. A nice, warm car. There you go, I heard. And I felt styrofoam against my lips. It's just the hot chocolate. And slowly I sipped at the cup. I could feel it warming me up already. Well, you fainted. It was Dewbridge again. It's okay though, don't worry. You're in my car, safe and sound. At least for the moment, he said. Now, I need to ask you a few questions. I'm sure you have some too, but before we get into that, I need you to make me a promise. What? I asked, drowsily. If ever I start screaming like that, at any point, ever, he said, I want you to kill me. Kill you? I asked. Yes, dead, and as quickly as possible. But what are those screams? I mean, why do they scream like that? It's not even human. Uh, to be honest, I don't know. But if I start doing it, it means I'm one of them. So just kill me. It's not like you haven't killed before, is it, lad? Hmm. She's trying to trick me, I thought, and I didn't answer. 
He just laughed to himself. <laughs> I don't even really care anymore. Your past, your history, who you are, all this special treatment. You know, I had a father. He was a real dickhead. Horrible twat. He never worked. Just used to spend all day at the gym. Keeping in shape, getting a good turn, making sure he looked nice. Then he'd come back, push my mum about, get drunk, and tell me what a puff I was. From as young as I can remember until the last time I saw him. My sister, well, she went insane in the end. Killed herself. Turned out he'd been shagging her in secret. Well, I say secret. Apparently everyone knew, even mum. But no one did anything. It was like this unspoken language that lived and breathed in the town. People knew, but would talk in looks, in metaphors, in hushed tones. And that's horrifying. Mundane, banal bloody chatter without action. The impotency of gossip. What happened to him? I asked. Huh? Who? Your father. What happened? <laughs> well, he became an old man. Couldn't work out anymore. No point in tanning. And he realised he'd built himself a rather empty little life. Oh, I said, so he died of old age then? <laughs> no. No, Deebridge answered. I killed him. And with that, leaving that sentence in the air, he turned on the engine and started driving. I looked out into the mid-morning sunlight that pierced through the sky and reflected off the snow, hurting my eyes. The outside world, painful to even look at. The leaves hanging off the trees looked like crystals. Everything was just so, I don't know, pretty. It was like time had paused here, as if nothing bad could ever happen on this earth. But then I remembered that underneath that was the grass and the mud, and underneath that was the soil, the dirt, full of disgust and disease. Worms, beetles, ants, creatures that we don't even like to see, that we like to hide, until we're buried amongst them, becoming one with those that we detest, becoming another creature, what are you thinking about? Deebridge asked. Uh, nothing, I replied. Just kept staring out the window. Where are we going anyway? Well, I'm going to hold you up in a church with a friend of mine. Yeah, I said. I'm not so good with churches. Deebridge laughed. <laughs> yeah, 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 I guess you could say that. We drove for about 15 minutes through to the other side of town. I don't think I'd been near here before. It seemed to just be fields upon fields. I remember thinking, where the hell did people here go to shop? Why would anyone live out here? How could people do anything with this snow engulfing everything that it touches? I turned back to Dewbridge and curled into my seat. Do you think the snow will ever ease up? No, he answered. It's set to be the worst winter the town's ever seen. It's just so cold all the time, I said. I can feel it like it's... Like it's crawling inside me. Well, you've lost a lot of weight, Dubridge looked me over. Too much, I'd say. You need to eat. They've made you sick. You have. Them. You know what I'm talking about. Dubridge, what do you think I know? I mean, why bother coming to save me? Well, because... Because I made a promise to someone. And if it were really up to me, I wouldn't bother... 
We'd started driving through a forest and the hairs on my neck stood up. I shivered and Dubridge noticed. What is it? You know what it is, I answered. What I found in the forest. You didn't see anything, he snapped back. I saw a house. I saw a secret room. I saw the bodies of children. Dubridge sighed. <sighs> Do you know the story of Alicia? No. Who's Alicia? I asked. Uh, well, a prophet, I guess. He was walking through a forest and some children were mocking him. Teasing him about being bald or something. Some stupid nonsense. Right, so, I said. So, he replied. So two bears came out of the forest. As he talked about the bears, I remembered the two boys. The two boys dancing. Two boys playing. Two boys staring. They came out, he continued. And they ripped apart the children. Forty-two of them, dead. I shuddered. Forty-two? Jesus, what was it? Devil? Was it a trick? No, no. Dubridge took a deep breath and sighed loudly. It was God. It was God. Then I looked up and saw the church. And outside of it was a man waiting. I couldn't... I couldn't believe who it was. I started panicking. I undid my seatbelt and went to jump out of the car. No, Dubit shouted and put his hand across me to keep me in, still driving. Stop it, stop. I bit his hand and he let out a scream. But I couldn't handle it. I couldn't go back to him. Because standing there with a smile and waving at me was... was Father Reynolds. Next week, on a new winter, I'll find out if the church can really save us all. Please go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash newwinter, where you can sign up to be a patron and support the show. You'll also have the opportunity to sign up for an exclusive new winter package, which will give you access to exclusive extra episodes that tell the history of the town in a new winter. This isn't available anywhere else. This week, we'll read our entries from the journal of Dr. Lithovich, who when visiting a friend here in the town, has a horrific encounter that he will never forget. You can also tweet us at a new winter or email us at newwinterpodcast.gmail.com. You'll also see that we have a new logo. If you like it, please do tell us. We're also thinking about getting them into t-shirts. So if you're interested, please do let us know. Thank you to everyone who submitted their ideas and we'll be posting some of our favourites in the next week. That's it for now, but please do check out patreon.com and show your support. Thank you for listening. When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.